Hi, welcome everybody to another Salvari 22 podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Darlene A. Mayo. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing great. So I'm really excited to have you on here because you were a board certified neuroscientist and neurosurgeon and you performed surgery for over 10 years. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And you've been studying the brain for over 18? 20 years now. I know the numbers keep adding up. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, numbers adding up can always be a good thing depending on how we look at it. Yeah. But I do, I do have to address the elephant in the room because um, I am from Wisconsin yeah. and I see that you graduated with your undergrad from Duke. I did. Yes. And Duke basketball beat the Wisconsin basketball team for the national championship. And so yeah. I just have to remind myself about forgiveness. <laughs> that one, that one hurt, man. Sorry. I am a huge basketball fan too. So sorry. <laughs> You know, I might just stop the podcast right now. Now that I think okay, sorry, folks. You'll have to catch me on it. <laughs> no, but uh, no. Seriously, really happy to have you. And so, again, you were you were certified, and you actually left your license. Can you explain why you left your license and what you are doing currently? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it and it and it wasn't a quick and easy decision, I'll tell you that, because I spent after high school, I spent 17 years between school and training to become a neurosurgeon and then 10 years in practice. Really had my career on the path that I always imagined it would be and then one day a few years ago, I was talking to God and and he said, "Darlene, if I asked you to give up neurosurgery, would you do it?" And I was thinking, wow, that's a big question. And here I am hoping that's the kind of question where he's just kind of testing me and I'm not going to actually be called to give it up. But, you know, I didn't want to answer too quickly. Right. So I took it to prayer and it was hard for me because my my whole identity was actually wrapped up in being a neurosurgeon. And if you know, as you get to know the Lord better and better. He doesn't want our identity wrapped up in any particular career. He wants our identity to be revealed through his time with us, right? So as I began to become more confident in who I was in Christ, it was actually a lot easier for me to say, you know what? Yeah, I would give it up. And then there came a time uh, a few years ago now that God did. He said, he said, I have something better for you. I have something more for you. And so I left my practice at the Cleveland Clinic. It was a good job. And I ventured out on my own and writing books. The Lord told me to write books. That was one of the first things he told me to do. And then he's recently led me to create this wonderful, wonderful community that I run now. So yeah, it's been a roller coaster ride. And for somebody that, uh, you know, had their whole life planned out because it's very, it's very specific what you have to do to become a neurosurgeon, right? There's, there's really not a lot of options. You do this for four years, you do this for four years, you do this for six, you do this for a year. And, you know, now I don't really have that full uh, five, 10, 20 year plan, but I enjoy my life so much more than I ever did. And it's amazing to see how God works and that he really can create Uh, when we co-create with him, when we allow ourselves, we lay down what our idea of our will is and connect with him and co-create with him. That is the realm of the miraculous, which is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And just hearing what you're talking about, really, I think speaks to a lot of people in today's society, because we do put our identity a lot in our performance. 
and I've experienced that, you know, to my own degree, but um, something, and I'm really thankful that you've decided the path that you have because it's helped me tremendously. And um, just for the people listening, I want you guys to know that we have Facebook groups and we're going to send links out there to get more of this um, information and connect with Dr. Darling in a, you know, more efficient way. But what I wanted to talk about is something that you shared when I first got into the group and you shared about how you experienced something when you were a little child about not experiencing that healing and how that's really motivated you into the career choice that you have today. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up, um, I grew up in a Baptist church and one of the things we would have were these kind of revival or tent meetings. Okay. This is back in the seventies and eighties. So while ago, if you don't know what these are, somebody comes set up a tent, literally like a carnival tent in the middle of a field and a preacher would come in and they, I think I've seen movies about that stuff. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> You're way too young for that. <laughs> Um, so, and they'd come and there'd often be healing services, right? And I was about 12 years old. It was one of the first ones I'd gone to with my mom and this man, I don't even remember who he was at this point, but he was up there on stage and he was laying hands on people. At that point, I didn't know what speaking in tongues was, but he was speaking in tongues and people were falling down and they were getting up and they were healed. And I was just amazed, right? And my faith in God was incredible, right? Like I... I say I came out of the womb praising Jesus, (laughs) seriously, because I cannot remember. I cannot remember for the life of me the first time I prayed the salvation prayer, because I said it so many times. It's just like always a part of who I am. Um, So my faith was incredible, right? And I had trouble with my eyesight at that time. So I asked my mother, I said, can I go up there and get prayed for for healing for my eyes? Because he was, you know, people that couldn't hear, they were starting to hear. And I go up there. And he lays his hands on me and kind of my head is like trying to shake my head a little bit. He's praying in tongues over me. And I'm like, waiting, like, well, okay, what am I supposed to feel? You know, what's going on with my, I even taken off my glasses. Right. And like, yeah. wait, I still can't see. I'm not on the floor. Like what's going on. And he stood there and then he prayed again. Right. Nothing happened. And so then he just like went on to the next person. And I, I felt so, I felt ashamed. I felt dismissed. I ran out of there crying. I felt like something was wrong with me. I ran into these two ladies that were well-meaning, but you know, they said, why are you crying? I told them and they said, oh, honey, you just need to give your heart to Jesus. And so they prayed over me again, like I said, the hundredth time, the salvation prayer and still couldn't see. Mm -hmm. So I, You know, unfortunately, that made me think for a long time that I wasn't, I wasn't worthy of healing. I wasn't good enough to be healed, that God had not decided, he had not graced me for healing. And when I came to the revelation that that was absolutely not the case, because God's healing, it is for everybody. As you study the scripture, as you understand the kingdom of God, Every single person on this earth has access to God's healing power. It does not matter even what you've done in your life, the sins you've committed, what you're going to do in your life. We have all sinned, right? But we have access to that. And I said, Lord, I have to share this message with people because there's so many people that are stuck. They don't even believe that healing is for today, right? They think healing ended when Jesus left, you know, and the disciples were gone, that there's no more healing power, which 
I, I talk about that quite a bit, right? But my message to share with people, because God, I had this heart to heart with God over many, many, many days in prayer saying, and he's like, I want my people to be free. I want my people to understand everything they have access to because they think it's just for heaven. They think it's just for heaven. But he says, I brought heaven to earth and you just need to know how to access it. You need the key. And here you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah. you do a great job, especially in your book, The Science of God's Healing Power, um, explaining that in a scientific way. And for me, and I believe a lot of people, because we've had similar experiences to yours where it's like, oh, I guess God didn't heal me. Like, okay, now what? And then we make all these reasons for why it happened. Right. And so with what your book explains a lot of the time is that that's, that actually wasn't the case. There's a scientific reason for that. And we have proof in other in the scripture and in science how to overcome that. Like you said, healing is for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so I think what I want to dive into is those four words behind you, healing in the kingdom. So what is the kingdom just in general? <laughs> so the kingdom of God, of course, is where God lives, where his throne is, of course. But if you think about a kingdom, think about an earthly kingdom for a minute. It's a territory, right? It's got defined borders. And what happens in that kingdom is all under the authority of whoever the king is, right? So the rules never change within the boundaries of the kingdom, all right? That is our understanding here on the earth of what a kingdom is. Well, God, he has a kingdom just like that, right? And the thing about his kingdom, it really is borderless, right? It is infinite, but the rules apply when you are in his kingdom, okay? So the Lord, when he created the earth, one of the things he did part of God's nature is to expand. That's what he does. If you look at a lot of things, there's a lot of scriptures around this, right? He expands and he chose to expand his kingdom onto the earth. That was initially with the garden of Eden, right? And Adam and Eve. And then when they had the fall and they were no longer given access to the kingdom of God, that's where suffering came, right? That's where hard work came. That's where labor came, right? Or you, you had to toil. Okay. And it was the first time we saw death actually. Death even does not exist when you are in the kingdom of God. Here's what people miss. They miss that when Jesus came to the earth, okay, he came, one of the reasons he came was to reestablish our access to the kingdom of God. He gave us the keys to access the kingdom. And if you look at his ministry, Everything he did, all of his miracles, his healing miracles, even, right? They are a demonstration that the power of God, the kingdom of God had arrived on this earth, that we have access to it. There's scriptures all through the gospels regarding this, right? And he tells us heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible and passionate people have taken hold of its power. That's in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, right? In the passion translation. And so his miracles even serve two purposes. People miss this. They're like, oh, well, Jesus healed because people needed to be healed. Yes. And <laughs> kingdom of God is always about and. I say this all the time. I know Josh, you're probably <laughs> like, okay, yes, I have this on uh, replay in my mind. Um, so he healed to heal, but he also healed to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God had arrived and to teach us. Jesus is a teacher, right? That's one of these. He was always called teacher, rabbi teacher. He taught us what to do 
to access the kingdom of God. And we just, we have to be wise and we have to pay attention to it. But one of the blessings that I have having a neuroscience background is as I read the Bible, as I read scriptures, I say, oh, wait, there's some science to that. And I understand what that means. And so that unlocks scriptures to me. It unlocks the power of the scriptures to me, quite honestly. And that's what I share in healing in the kingdom. We really, we combine faith and scripture with science and that combination that's where breakthrough is it's at the intersection of faith and science so absolutely and that's what you quote in your book and i think that's so powerful and what i would like to ask about that is you explain how god is light and yes. could you just go into a little bit of detail about how that's true yeah absolutely i go into a lot of detail in the book there's yeah. a whole section in the book on this but <laughs> But yeah, that scripture that says God is light, right? As, as most people read that, and as I read it for years, okay, it's like, okay, well, that's a nice thought. What does that even mean, you know? But when you understand the science of light, it just will blow your mind, right? Like light, first of all, it is a form of energy, okay? We don't think about it like this because all we think of as light is visible light right? But there's the whole electromagnetic spectrum, right? There's gamma rays that are part of light. Even radio waves are a form of light energy, right? They're all energy. And what does energy do? It transforms what it comes in contact with. And when we look at the scriptures, you know, be transformed, <laughs> you know, the Lord talks about transformation over and over again. So, and then even just as I was talking about a minute ago with God's nature to expand, guess what light Light exists as particles, photons, that travel in waves. What does a wave do? Think about you drop a pebble in a pond, the waves expand, right? It tells us something about the nature of God. And there's a lot of other goodness in the book. I'll leave that to you, uh, to your listeners to go check that yeah, out. I would, I would definitely, you know, so I'll drop a link in my Esther group on Facebook and some other places as well for people to access this book and this Facebook group that you have called Healing in the Kingdom. Um, it's very, I mean, it's great. So for people like me, I, like I said, I think there's just a huge need in culture out there right now for people that love what you're saying, like this breakthrough is at the intersection of faith and science, because for a long time, we were told science and the church were opposites. Yes. And that it was all, you know, you know, just this, whatever, but you're coming in with an angle where you can explain this, you know, the, the miracles, you know, to an extent and how God mm -hmm. operates and one of the biggest things that you touched on was energy yes. and, and how we can receive it and how that helps us become, you know, healed and, and more Christ-like because mm -hmm. he is light. And for me, that is a part of repenting, but to mm -hmm. you, what is the definition of repentance? Because this is another thing that we get lost in translation with. Yeah, absolutely. I talk about this a lot. So in the world, you know, there's always a worldly version of words and meanings, and then there's a kingdom version. And so whenever I hear something, I try and figure out, well, what does the world say about this? And what does the kingdom say about this? And then I choose to operate in the kingdom because you have a choice, right? Um, so repentance in the world, we think, oh my gosh, we have done something wrong. We have to fix it ourselves. We need to stop doing this, stop being angry, stop, um, you know, being stealing, right? Well, those commandments, right? Stop doing these things of our own accord. And so we look at ourselves and we give ourselves condemnation, right? And say, we're bad. That's what we say in the world. We're bad. 
Not true. That's not what God says. He says he created you to be his masterpiece, right? He says there is no condemnation in Christ. So we have to say, well, what in the world does repentance look like? And repentance in the kingdom of God is simply coming to God and acknowledging that you need his presence, his power in your life, period, the end. That's our job, just to come and say, God, I need you. I need your help. I want to get into deeper relationship with you. I want to allow you to become part of me and transform me. That's all you need. Because as you get filled with his power, with his love, which is the first thing he desires to give to you, for God so loved the world. That is why he gave his only begotten son. His love is the first thing he gives to you in relationship. And it is supreme. It is beyond all things, right? Paul writes about this in the letter to the Corinthians, right? So as you are filled more and more with his love, with his power, light drives out darkness, right? Like it leaves the desire to sin, leaves you the more time you you spend connecting with God. So when what I used to do when I would sin, and we all sin, right? Um, No surprise. (laughs) You know, I used to go to God and I was like, God, I'm so, so sorry. I'm such a screw up. Please, please help me to stop doing this again and again. Have you ever said this? Please help me because I've tried and I'm not succeeding. I I don't do that anymore. I go and I say, God, I know that this is not your best will for me and your best will for, you know, if I've affected somebody else by something I've done, God, what do you, what, what do I need to know about you? What do I need to know about my, myself and who you've created me to be? What, how can you fill me more with your love so that I don't desire to do that anymore? Because the reason we sin a lot of times is we're believing a lie about something. And that's another great thing about light, right? Light, when it shines in the darkness, it reveals all things. And Jesus says this too, everything hidden will be made known, but we have to go to God and we have to be willing. Here's another thing. We think a lot of times God's this God punishing God, right? He's up there like waiting to just punish us for our thoughts. And so we don't even have a conversation with him. But look at King David, okay? Which King David was a man after God's heart. That is how it is described in the scriptures. He had some pretty big screw ups that we know about and Lord knows what else maybe in his life that we don't even know about, but he would go to God, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. He says, search me, God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. He is opening himself up to God and saying, let your light shine on me you know, shine on what these things are and then fill me with your presence so that that does, it's not part of me anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that it's a, it's a change in perspective, but it's one, it will free you from condemnation. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's so true because what people don't understand is God, his grace is made for sinners. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the times we think, his punishment is made for sinners. But once we read the Bible correctly, we understand that actually he's giving us a way and it's a very rich way. And when we, you know, have people like you and, you know, there's a lot of great people out there that are introducing this, this perspective of this accurate perspective of who God really is. And he's more of a, 
a place to go to, like you're saying, a place to recoup, mm-hmm. to revitalize, to re-energize. Yes, yes. And he'll empower us through his light and energy to accomplish the things that he's created us for. And I think when people start to understand that idea of God more, which is the true idea, they'll be, you know, like you said, their old ways that kept them from this will just shed. And so something, you know, that you had touched on is even in the midst of our worst moments, it's important to know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes. And once I actually started saying that, and especially in my worst moments, that's when I felt a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people to know the worst sinners are, are, are entitled to the grace of God because of what awesome. Jesus did. And so I think all this, you know, sort of ties into what you're what you're, what you're going for and what you're talking about. And I think what's really important to understand, and you say this in your book, um, is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness about ourself and forgiveness for others. But I would like to hear, you know, you're, I know you're very scientific, so don't, don't be afraid to go there. Um, <laughs> scientific parts about forgiveness. Um, I know you mentioned uh, quantum entanglement a little bit. So if you'd like to touch on that. Yeah, so... What, I, what I'm going to start with for forgiveness is just a basic understanding that, first of all, every memory that you store in your mind actually contains emotions with it initially when it is formed. And one of the things that the Lord wants for us is particularly with those painful memories is to separate the emotion from the memory. So you have the memory, right? And you have the wisdom that comes from the experience. We don't want to totally remove the memory from our mind, which some, you know, other types of like some types of therapy focus on that, right? Just removing everything, but there's lessons, right? From every experience, but God does not want us to continue to experience pain right? He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds, right? He will remove that pain from us. But if we do not intentionally go in and do that, what happens is these emotions and particularly in areas where we're angry at somebody and maybe they've betrayed us or hurt us in a really horrible way, that actually that anger, it gets stored up in your brain and it's almost like water behind a dam. And this is where you can see, we see this particularly with folks with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, like something seemingly very small, right? That doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but triggers that memory. It releases this flood of emotion, right? And that can be very damaging, not only to yourself, it can be damaging to other people as well. So one of the important points here is to be able to release that. And people say, well, you know, it's easy to say forgive, right? But it's very hard to do it. And so I have a technique actually that I talk about in my book. It's a forgiveness technique. And I lead folks through it in healing in the kingdom as well. That will really help you to forgive in the spirit realm, right? So we activate this part of our mind that connects the spiritual realm and the physical realm. And as we do that, as we are able to see somebody in that spirit realm who has hurt us, you know, there is a way to be able to release that anger towards them so that you're not holding that anymore. Because forgiveness from a brain science standpoint, it really is about you. People talk about this and you're like, well, what does that have to do with me? This person hurt me. And, you know, the, the great thing I like about the forgiveness technique the Lord showed me, which is a lot of neuroscience that I use for that, right? It's all scriptural, but there's science behind it, 
is that the person that you need to forgive doesn't even have to be around. They don't have to be alive anymore, right? Like you can use this technique and what you do in the spiritual realm, guess what folks, it affects what is going on in the physical realm. And when you understand the part of your brain that you use during activations, that just becomes really, really clear too. Yeah. And the same goes with healing. You don't actually have to lay your hands on people to heal them. You can, yeah, which is very, very crazy. Yeah. So, but uh, one thing that I would like to discuss is, is there a difference? I mean, I know there is, but can you explain the difference between emotional pain and physical pain? And is there any correlation between? Yeah, definitely. Well, there's, there's a lot of correlation. So anytime you feel pain, you know, there are, there are electrical changes in your brain and body. There's chemical changes in your brain and body. And obviously those impact emotions as well. So we often see those that are in pain, harboring pain, physical pain in their body. They also have emotional pain. There is a high correlation between even depression and chronic pain. So there's a a neuroscience basis behind that but we actually are not designed in the kingdom of God. There is no pain that pain is the part of the part of the curse, right? That we are no longer subjected to. We talked about this last week in our, in our group here that you do not have to be subjected to that. So as we allow God to his power to come in, to heal us and, and pain, it, there's a lot of energy basis to pain too, right? Which is why there's a lot of um, techniques um, that you know the world has as far as acupuncture, Reiki, these sorts of, of techniques that are designed to restore the energy balance. That is how they describe it. So the way we describe it is God's healing power is coming through and restoring the balance that we actually need in our brain and in our body. And that allows us to actually release the pain, which is really a burden it's a burden we're not meant to carry. And we, you know, Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Right. So you're not supposed to be carrying that. And yeah. And and so something we need to understand as Christians is we're not supposed to be carrying pain because pain limits us from doing our God-given purpose. Correct. And something you said that was interesting is releasing pain. Um, I don't know. I guess in my mind, I always thought you were trying to get rid of pain. Mm-hmm. Is there a connection there with like, would that hinder some type of healing or like, I'm trying to get rid of it or releasing? Is there one better than the other? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to say necessarily better, but pain, pain to me, from what I understand from both a science and a scriptural standpoint, again, it's not some, it's something we're not supposed to be holding on to, but we have chosen to, right? Mm-hmm. And when you are holding something that you are not supposed to hold, guess what? You do not have room for what you actually need, okay? So there's this like perceived deficit that we have that, you know, we reach out to things that then cause us pain sometimes, okay? And those are those are very specific circumstances. Sometimes obviously has nothing to do with, with what we're doing consciously. But if you look at um, Jesus and the pain that he suffered, right? Right before his crucifixion during his crucifixion, right? The incredible pain that he saw, he suffered. It's hard for me to read those scriptures, right? Because it's just, it, it's very painful. But you look at what happened when he died, when he was buried, when he rose again, what did he say? One of the first things he said to his um, disciples is all authority has now been given to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're holding on to pain, you are not actually able to walk in the authority 
that God wants you to have. Jesus exchanged his pain, which is our pain. He took our pain to the cross too, right? And exchanged it for authority that we now have access to. So when you think about it like that, I mean, I talk about this for all forms of healing, right? Because the reason why, why would pain, why would sickness exist in this world? It's because there's a very real devil, like there's a very real God, right? Who's busy trying to keep us from accomplishing our mission, our purpose in the kingdom of God. And if you're busy dealing with, you know, fatigue from autoimmune or pain from some, you know, fibromyalgia or whatever, you're, how are you going to be able to as effectively fulfill that purpose? Of course you can't. You're focused on your health. Like poverty, it's the same way. You know, yeah, people yeah. always, I say, I say healing and finances, let me tell you, they are very intimately tied together. When you understand that both wealth and healing and health are kingdom resources, right? You have access to your territory. You have a territory, just like God has territory for his kingdom, right? You are assigned to a particular territory and you have every resource you need to run your territory, okay? Yeah. You need to know what your territory is. I just got through coaching somebody about this, actually. I was like, you're not in your territory. You're in somebody else's territory. You need to get back in your territory. That's where your resources are. Because when we're in someone else's territory, we're exhausted. We're sick. We're broke, right? Because we're doing stuff that we're not called to do. We're not equipped to do. Yeah. And something that's always really amazing about the Bible is the promises that God gives to us through Jesus. And so for me, early on in my Christian life, I was like, okay, this is supposed to be for me, but I'm not really feeling it. Right. And I feel like, you know, I believe in God. I believe what Jesus did for me, but I don't really see all these promises happening in my life. What would you say to someone that's experiencing that right now? Yeah. So there's, there's different reasons why you don't see the instant fulfillment of promises. And that's one, one of the things I talk about in healing in the kingdom. People come in there sometimes with the idea that, okay, God's going to heal me instantly right now. And that's the only kind of supernatural healing that exists. Well, that's actually not true at all. Okay. We, if you look at what Jesus, the way he healed, what did he do? He had them come to him and he said, what do you want me to do for you? Right. And they gave him an answer. Heal me, heal my eyes, heal me, my legs, heal whatever. Right. So that is what we are supposed to come to him with. He, sometimes the lepers didn't get healed instantly. They got healed on the way to the priest, right? So sometimes there is even delay. And then sometimes there are resources that we are meant to use for a variety of reasons that God has already put in the earth available to us that we are supposed to use and steward well to access our healing, right? even look at, um, Paul talked to Timothy, right? He's like, take a little wine for your stomach. That was a strategy that Mm -hmm. God gave him about how to be healed from that. Right. So many times we have this idea of how we want God to do things. God's not really interested in what your idea or my idea of how it's going to happen. And there's a very specific reason for that. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's so the devil doesn't know the strategies. Right. And We have to be, I think God, God is much smarter than the devil. He is crafty. He knows everything that's going to happen. And sometimes he doesn't reveal the how. And we may not understand the why, but here's the thing. If you, let's say the Lord wants to use a doctor to help you, like through medicine, through surgery, whatever, right? But you say, look, 
I'm not going to a doctor. I'm not taking medicine. I'm not having surgery because that's not divine healing in my book, right? The world's book. Okay. Um, what if your seed of prayer over that doctor is the seed that causes that doctor to give his heart or her heart to Christ? Right. You have no idea. You have no idea. I've seen miracles like this in my own life and things that, you know, God would ask me to do. Like, this is why obedience is so, so important. And I could talk about what obedience is too, but this is why obedience is so, so important, right? Because when I have followed, even when I haven't understand, then the greatest blessings of my life and some other people's lives have followed from that. I mean, it's absolutely incredible what happens. So yeah, we just, we need to not worry about the how, we need to worry about the what. And the same is true in the brain. When you give your brain the what of what you want, like that vision, you come into agreement with the vision God has given you and you focus on that, your brain will actually form pathways to help you get from where you are to where that vision is. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like just from my personal experience and other people around me, I can attest to what you're saying because to be honest, I don't know if God's ever given me the how I've just discovered it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's given me the why and the what, and never really the how, which was really hard for me because I'm a technical person. I got my degree in engineering and we were so, always told to figure out the how. And that makes me want to ask you, how have you found that balance of this technical brain that you have always investigating the how and then giving up the how to God? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I don't think that's what I've been asked before. So yeah, it's interesting because I do, I know a lot about how these processes work, but to be honest, it's, I really know more what is going on in the brain rather than how it happens. And let me give you a very specific example. One of the surgeries that I used to do when I was practicing is placing deep brain stimulators in the brain of people that have tremors, essential tremor Parkinson's disease. It's a little electrode goes in the brain and helps stop the tremors. We actually, scientists debate about this all the time. We have no idea. We have no idea exactly why that works. We just know that it works. Okay. So we know the what to do, but the how that's still a mystery, right? We know there's some electrical chemical changes and maybe there'll be more revelation about that over time, you know, with, with more and more research, but you know, we don't want to get stuck on that. And when you get stuck on that, your brain actually goes into a frequency that is not healthy for you to stay in. When you are always worried about the how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this happen? Your brain goes into a high beta frequency, okay, that is designed to be used for short periods of time to solve a specific problem and then move on. But when we're constantly ruminating and worrying and like, how am I going to pay the bills this month? How am I going to do this? Well, you know what, how am I going to make this program successful? You know, if you're an entrepreneur or whatever, right, then you actually get into a state where you cannot hear from the Lord and you cannot hear from yourself. Your brain has to be in what we call a theta or alpha rhythm in order, it's just much slower rhythm in order to hear from God, in order to connect to your subconscious and have revelation coming about what you need to do for your next steps. Yeah, and I think for me, really the how, at least in this stage of my life, has been more about faith. Like that's where the confidence and the unseen, the insurance and God's promises has really come about. And you talk about that at the end of your book um, and you were kind of diving into it with what you just said, but let's just, you know, dive into faith in general. Um, what, what is faith really? 
Yeah. So, so, you know, the scriptures will tell us faith is the evidence of things not seen, right? What does that even mean? So there's this part of the brain I told you about a minute ago called the mirror neuron network that connects the spiritual and the physical realm. And that is what brings what is in the spiritual realm into reality. It is what some people would call manifestation, right? So, and you know, so a lot of Christians have a problem with that word. So I'm going to just tell you, if you look at the Lord's prayer in the passion translation, it literally Jesus teaches his disciples to pray like this, God manifest your kingdom realm on this earth so that your will will be done as it is done in heaven. Okay. So there's so many things, and this drives me bananas too, about <laughs> Christians and well-meaning. They like throw out everything because they're so scared, right? They're so scared. Like, I don't want to go down this wrong path. Well, you know what? As long as you're connecting with God, he will redirect you. He will direct your steps, mm -hmm. all right? Like, he created all things. He created everything. He created the part of your brain responsible for manifestation, Okay. As Christians, we know how to use it. And this is what I teach people. You connect with the Lord, you get your vision, you co-create your vision with the Lord. And then you activate this part of your brain. That is what I was just talking about, right? You give it the what? Mm -hmm. And it builds the pathways for you. That is what faith is, is holding on to that what. That's what Abraham did, even when he didn't know where he was going. And God's like, well, pick up your stuff and go of your whole family. And I'll tell you when you get there, where you need to go. Right. And, and the way the Lord helped him to hold on to that vision was by giving him something to look at. Look at the stars in the sky. Look at the grains of sand on the seashore. He gave him a visual to hold in his mind. And so that, that is what that is about. Yeah. And I, that's something that I've gone down myself because faith is the evidence of things unseen in Hebrews. And so I think visualization is a huge part of faith because technically it's in the unseen, it's within your mind. So for me, I think faith, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it is picturing it in your mind mm -hmm. and allowing, yeah. Um, but then one, one thing that I think is extremely important to talk about because it's always correlated with faith is fear. And what that does for us. Um, I just feel like, man, and, and you know, it's so great. The Bible tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. And you said that's the very first thing that God does for us, yeah. which is cast out fear, essentially, when we receive his love. Mm -hmm. um, but I just like to talk about how fear stops us from really, truly being who we were meant to be, who we were created to be, what our purpose was. What is fear to you from your, your uh, neuroscience standpoint? Yeah, so fear, fear from a neuroscience standpoint is actually um, very, very powerful. There's a lot of power to fear, okay? The good news is we can actually hijack the power created by fear and use it for purpose, which is a really good thing. So I talk about that in my book a little bit. But uh, fear, what happens, you first get an adrenaline release in your brain, all right? That's what makes your heart race. You start breathing fast. You may get sweaty palms if you're going on stage, right? Those are things that are not really that fear inducing, but that gives you an idea of what it is. But what happens in your brain beyond that is electrochemical changes that actually shut down or at least reduce the blood flow to the thinking and reasoning parts of your brain. Your brain really goes into what's called survival mode. And you are literally not able to 
think and make a rational decision like you would make when you are in a state of fear versus when you are in a state of peace. And, you know, one of the things that I teach again is how to capture fear at that adrenaline stage. So it does not go down the rest of that neurochemical pathway. All right. But, you know, and look at the scriptures, it says, do not yield to fear. It never says like, don't like, you're not going to fear. Like when you're a Christian, you're never going to fear again, fear. It's something that exists. But when we know how to harness that energy, that power created by fear, I mean, man, you can do some really great things. So, you know, that's one of the reasons um, Paul, you know, Paul says he's like, um, don't worry so much when you have troubles. Mm -hmm because guess what? God has a plan for that. And if you have something that's making you afraid and he can show you how to take that energy and use it, he works all things for good. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you beat the devil at his own game, which is one of my favorite things. To do. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't, isn't fear more of a perspective thing? Because I was always told like, I growing up, not knowing anything. I thought nerves, like being nervous was a bad thing. And I got some new information that, oh, actually, it's a good thing. It's just how you perceive it. Is that true? Or does that mean just making stuff up? Uh, well, you know, to, uh, a lot of people talk about fear. So the way the way I perceive it from a brain science standpoint is more is more what I've told you. But, you know, there's a purpose for fear. There's a purpose for everything, you know, and there are times when we need our body needs to give us a signal that something is not right you know, and we need to pay attention to that. And sometimes there's, you know, there's something in the spirit realm going on that may cause physical changes in us that we need to pay attention to. So, but you need discernment that you get by spending more time with God to know, wow, is there something that I need to pay attention to right now? Or is this an attack of the enemy that I need to just, you know, use a variety of techniques in order to avoid that, right? So, yeah. And so we got about 15 minutes left, but what I really want to wrap this up with is receiving information. And we're in a, we're in a world today where, you know, all sorts of knowledge is at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. And we know that the curse, you know, from the knowledge of good and evil is a curse and Mm -hmm. well, it can be. And so how do we, you know, in this world full of technology, and like I said, all sorts of information at our disposal, how do we concentrate on receiving one, receiving good information, two, you know, having techniques and sorts of things that allow us to not always consume bad information, but being aware of what's going on. Is there like any good source of material to read or technique that can help you with that? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of information overload in the world today, absolutely. And one of the things I teach about, I run a mentorship program with this uh, Healing in the Kingdom group, and we teach uh, you how to evaluate which resources are for you and which resources are not for you. And that can have to do with healing. It can have to do with business, right? That's a a lot of our, our umbrella company. We do consulting along those lines as well. So you need to know the thing you need to know is who you are and what you are designed to do and who you are designed to be. And when you understand that, the resources you need will become very, very clear for you. So that's what we really talk about. And that's definitely a much broader topic than what we can go into in depth in here. But there's, uh, you know, I do, I do a lot of teaching on this and our identity and understanding what to reach for, because otherwise we can start reaching. And I've been like this in my life too, shiny object syndromes. Like, oh, let me try this and let me try this and let me try this. And it's particularly with healing when people are suffering, they're like, 
all right, just bring me what you got. Right. But Mm -hmm. if that's not meant for you again, you're outside of your territory. That's, you know, and you're wasting your money, you're wasting your time and you're losing faith too, because if you're using something not meant for you, guess what? It's not going to work. Yeah. And then that can affect your faith. And I see that with a lot of individuals. And so, yeah, that, but it really goes back to knowing who you are, your purpose, and then knowing what you, what you need, it becomes very obvious to you. Yeah. So just um, tagging along with that, knowing who you are and what your purpose is, how does, how do you go about that? How do you find that out? And, and specifically, how does the spirit help you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, remember a couple of things. First of all, you were formed in what's called the secret place. That's what the scriptures tell us, right? And, you know, the Lord, as Psalm 139, I use this a lot, you know, talks about this, right? That he was there when every little detail was created in you. Also, if you look at um, the book of Peter, it tells us that every single thing we need is already implanted in us. Mm -hmm. So you actually know, you actually now, believe it or not, you have all the knowledge that you are ever going to need for your entire life. It's there. It's just buried a lot of times in your brain. It's buried in your subconscious. It gets buried by these thoughts and experiences and brain pathways that weren't meant to be there, right? That other people tell us who we are and whatnot. You need to uncover what are those lies. And then you need to spend time with the Lord in what I call the secret place. And there's different ways to do that for everybody. My technique may not work for you. We, you know, that's something else we do in our program is really help you to understand what does that look like for you and how do you connect? Because I'll tell you what, whenever you're struggling with a question, when you can go to that secret place with God, like the answer, it just becomes very, very obvious. Yeah, definitely. And I think something that's important for us to remember is God is outside space and time. So it's never too late, never too late to know who you really are. And something that you said that's so true is a lot of people tell us who we are. And I think what we're talking about earlier, fear is we kind of get pushed into certain things that we know deep down isn't the truth. But we're so afraid of, you know, not having money or not having this or that, that we convince ourselves and justify us doing that and so I think that's where a lot of you know difficulties can come from and so I think it's important for people to hear you know and read your book and again I'm going to drop a link to your Facebook and to your website you got a great mentorship program coming up in March and anyone is free to sign up for that and are you coming out with a new book too or I know. Yeah. So I have, um, I have another book I'm working on. It's called keys to your breakthrough. And I actually started that book before I started the science of God's healing power and God, uh, you can read about I have, in the preface of, of science of God's healing power. I tell about the story of how this book came about, but it literally like interrupted my writing from my <laughs> other book. So, but that is a, um, that's going to be a very powerful book too, because it not only teaches you there's 12 different keys that the Lord has shown me combining faith and science that we can use to get breakthrough. But the Lord actually invited me to share bits and pieces of my life story and the wonderful miracles that he's worked in my life as I use these keys. So you get a little bit of insight into Dr. Darlene too, as as you read that. Well, thank you. Yeah. So let's just real quick before, again, I let you go. Um, 
like you said, a lot of people don't even believe in miracles. Is there like something that you can say to get someone that's skeptical about it just to hear, you know, your side of the story from, from that point? Yeah. Well, here's, here's one thing that I will say that you cannot argue with the power of God for this. I describe the brain a lot of times as a computer, right? And we've got software, we've got hardware. And if you think about how a computer works, your hardware never changes in a computer, right? Like if you need a new processing unit, a new monitor, you have to go to the store and buy a new one, right? The software helps it work. Well, I think of our body as hardware, right? And our mind as software. This is the only, the human is the only living being where the software can cause a change in the hardware. Your mind can actually cause a change in your body, a physical change in your body, just by aligning your mind, getting a transformation in your mind. If that is not evidence of God, I do not know what else is. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I haven't seen a scientist or an engineer <laughs> be yeah. able to do that yet. So. <laughs> well, again, thank you for your time, even though You're you welcome. did graduate from Duke. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be time for a rematch. Some, yeah, some yeah. well, day. technically, so I graduated, the school I graduated from, we were uh, the Blue Devils as well. Oh, really? Wonderful. Yeah, so, but <laughs> not as well known as you are, or your school. <laughs> but again, thank you. Um, for those that are listening, I have an Esther group. I post all of this stuff in it, and I will give you guys all the links and the names of the books and the book that she's coming out with in there and then i also share some links and some other things on my youtube channel um, and again what is your website so my web my main website is drdarleneamayo.com and that has access to all my courses everything but i invite you to come check out to healing in the kingdom it's a free group and uh, we go live in there every day and drop some goodness like this in there so yeah you do a lot of great techniques that have really helped me and it's just very simple like 10 minute technique and yeah, it's great. It does a lot of healing. Yeah, we see a lot of fruit coming out of there. A lot of healing testimonies every week, which is really a blessing. All right. Well, thanks again. You're very welcome.